92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills, too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically, so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with the 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. And now another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. It looks like your luggage is over 50 pounds. Is there anything you can take out? Oh, yeah. Let me just toss all these $20 bills. Great. Let me grab you a trash can. Stop. Instead of throwing money away, move some clothes into a carry-on. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Hello, and thank you once again for joining Destiny Talk. Today we're going to have a conversation about oppression. God wants us free. He's looking down from heaven and he's saying to us, I want you free. I don't want you suffering. I don't want you struggling. I don't want you in poverty, but I want you to acquire all of the things that I have promised with my covenant to you. Those are the words that God is saying to us right now. We have a covenant with him. And he has promised us so many things. And though we quote the covenants, we don't have the knowledge of bringing them down from heaven. Because we don't spend the time with God that we need to spend with him. And God wants us to spend time with him to know our rights, to know what he has done and will continue to do to give us our freedom. But that is time we have to spend with him. That is time that we have to set aside and say, God, I'm interested. I want to know how to stop being oppressed. I want to know why I am oppressed. And I want to know and gain knowledge of my freedom. Those are the cries that God hears from his people on a daily basis. Let us pray. Father, we thank you right now. We give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor, O God. And we thank you that you love us so much that you still want to fulfill your covenant in our lives. You still want us to have the things and the promises of you in our lives. And we have to break the chains from our life right now, O God. And we have to use your word to break those chains. God, we're trying to do it within our own power. We're trying to do it within our own understanding. But God, we come to you today and ask you to help us. Help us gain the wisdom and knowledge to know who you are. Because we do understand and that In Ephesians 6, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high 
places. So Father, we don't wrestle with the devil. We have no power to wrestle with the devil. We commit our ways unto you today, God. We ask for your help today. We surrender, God, today as we have rebuilt our altar before you, O God. We lie down as the sacrifice. God, you provide the fire and teach us, train us in the way that we should go in Jesus' name. So the ground rule is to understanding that we do not fight flesh and blood when it comes to being oppressed. When we're looking for an apartment and we hear no, we hear declined. So we go to the apartment manager and we're fussing at the apartment manager because our application got declined. And we say to them a lot of words of negativity. But if we stop and think about that decline and we say, wait a minute, I'm not going to fuss with the, the manager. I'm going to fight this in in the supernatural, against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of darkness that have done this to me. That's where I'm going. God, you have to fight this battle for me. That's where he wants us to be. That's the knowledge he wants us to have. Instead of fighting with flesh and blood, we have to let him fight the battle because he knows what is going on behind the scene. He knows how the devil got in. He knows why the devil got in to oppress us. And he's saying, let me fight this battle for you and stop trying to do it on your own. We do not have supernatural power without Christ. We do not have supernatural knowledge and wisdom without Christ. So we have to stop fighting it in our own fleshly power. We only understand another flesh person. We don't understand the principalities of this world. We don't understand the supernatural world until God gives us that understanding through his word one and through his spirit. So this is going to free us from being oppressed by the enemy. For God says um, in Exodus. We're going to go to Exodus 3 and 7. And it said, The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. So just when the enemy tells us God doesn't care, God doesn't know, he's not understanding, he's allowing these things to happen to you, God is letting us know, I see it. I've heard it, I understand, and I know who. So let me fight this for you, and you'll come out of it. In verse 9, it says, Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. So they were oppressed. By their taskmasters. And this is what the enemy does in our life. He continues to oppress us with poverty, lack, shame, sin. Constantly running this cycle before us. But our life must show the beauty and the glory of who God is 
and that we trust him so that we don't look like our past over and over and over again. But we move into our present and then we move into the future us that God has ordained. But all of that is on the altar of the Lord. You have to rebuild your altar before the Lord and lay as a sacrifice so that he can ignite you to where you need to be and once that happens and you begin to trust God and you begin to listen to God your freedom will come unto you because the children of Israel had to listen they had to believe and they had to do that's how we began to get our freedom and when they got to the Red Sea and Pharaoh was behind them and that sea was in front of them. They had to open up their spiritual understanding of what God is about to do. So if God is telling you, I have a job for you that's guaranteed, but you're used to a $15 job, which is your oppression from your oppressor. How do you switch from I'm at 15, but God wants me at a hundred thousand a year. Where do you go? How do you change your mind thinking how do you get to the place where you can actually do that and God is letting us know when we begin to walk with him that problem that you're thinking is a big one is not big in the spirit realm so to be oppressed is prolonged cruel or unjust treatment or control that means the enemy is controlling our actions that means he's carrying and us in the spirit room and have us bidding for him by negativity, by um, words that are not of God. We're doing the bidding. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, it's too hard. Oh, I'm tired. That's bidding his words. That's not bidding God's words. We have to switch over to God's words. We have to believe that God has it under control. But we know we know that things are constantly getting worse through our own mouth and we're oppressing ourselves with the encouragement of the demonic forces, with the encouragement of the voices we're listening to. But we need to listen to God. So demonic oppression, it happens when we fall into temptation of evil spiritual forces. And demons begin to cloud our judgment and cause us to stay in bondage to our sinful nature. So there's a sinful nature and there's a godly nature. And it's easier to stay in the sinful nature because it's more pleasurable. It's something we wanted to do anyway. And God is saying, I need you in the godly spiritual nature so that he can put these blessings upon our life. Place them upon our lives through our obedience in him. So the Egyptians were oppressing. And if we look at our lives now, aside from us oppressing, job is oppressing us. Um, lack is oppressing us. Shame is oppressing us. How do we get out of all of that? What do we do? Because it's common about the person you standing beside is going through something. You're going through something. The next person is going through something. How do we get out of this oppression? And God is saying, follow his word that's what the Egyptians had to do they had to hear and listen that God is able so when we begin to look at Luke 4 and 18 the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to the heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering the sight to the blind and setting liberty those that are bruised 
we are oppressed people if we are not following what God is saying. So today, look at your life and say, why and how am I oppressed? What is it in my life that continues to be a cycle? I apply for apartment. I get the apartment. Then I don't, I lose it. I get the car. It's repossessed. I get anything. It doesn't stay in my life long. Those are oppressions of cycles, whether it be through generational, whether it be through what you've done, but whatever it is, that cycle has to be broken in Jesus name. We cannot continue to pass this mountain every year in our life, quoting the same scriptures, quoting the same prayer points, decreeing and declaring and getting the same results every single time. He's saying enough is enough. Just like he brought Israel out through their faith, he can bring us out through our faith. But we have to, we must cry out to him. We must cry out to him. He said, I have heard from my people if he doesn't hear from you if you have accepted the oppression then you're not praying to God to help you you're telling God this is normal you're telling God it's okay I can handle it I've been through this before eviction no problem I've already been through it repossession no problem lack of food no problem that's when you're that's what you're saying when you don't call out to God that's what you're telling him it's okay if you're not asking him for help or when you ask him for help you're like well why should I because it's going to be taken or you're not going to answer me or this is going to happen you're still bidding for the devil you're not bidding for God to help you You're allowing the devil to just sit there and laugh and say, keep saying those words. Keep saying them. That's right. That's right. He's not going to help you. That's right. He doesn't want you to be prospering. All those promises he made to you and none of them is coming true in your life. Keep talking. Keep talking. And God is on the other side saying, no, but my blood, my blood speaks for your life. It speaks the healing. It speaks for your life. The deliverance, the captivity, the oppression, it speaks for your life. And the day you hear his voice telling you these things is the day you are going through the process of oppression being nullified. And it may take a couple of sessions, but it's guaranteed through Christ. Just like the destruction is guaranteed through the devil, life is guaranteed through Christ. When we put our trust in him, when we begin to praise him the way that he wants us to. And he, this is what he says in, um, about concerning us that he looks at. And that's going to be in Psalms 61. No, Isaiah 61, I'm sorry. Where he's saying that he's giving us beauty for ashes in verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. All of this is about God's glory. And we don't want to give it to him if we're constantly thinking on the things of the devil and not the things of God. Then we're not glorifying him. We're not acting as one of his or living as one of his because we're constantly downcasting our own life. We're constantly downcasting everything that God has given us. But when the Pharaoh told Jesus, he was like, do you not know I have the power 
over you. And Jesus said to him in John 19, you have no power over me except it be given to you from above. Those are the words that we can speak to our oppressor. You have no power over us in Jesus name. And that's a good prayer point because you are praying the word of God that says you have no power over me except I give it to you. And we're constantly giving it because we're not fighting for our freedom. We have to be free to receive the promises, to receive destiny, to receive everything we know God has shown us, told us, prophesied to us. You need your freedom mentally, spiritually, physically. Everything about you has got to change. So dealing with your oppressor is not about words. It's about action. It's about faith. It's about being in love with God. That's where you want to clean up from the oppressor. He doesn't have power over you unless it is given. So we give it by not reading the word of God, not gaining knowledge of who he is, not speaking his word is when we begin to give our oppressor control to keep oppressing us. Now, if we remember when they told the Israelites, they were like, we are going to take away and oppress you more. You want to, you got time to pray. You got time to worship. And evidently we're not making you work hard enough. So that's what our oppressor do. What? You got time to go to church? Uh, Your job just said you have to work on Sundays. Wait a minute. You got time to pray when you get home? Oh man, you got to work later because we're going to have extended hours. Those are the oppressor. Oh God, I got to work two jobs because my income is not meeting. And then with the two jobs, it still doesn't meet. That's the oppressor laughing at us. Ah, they thought the two jobs was going to work. I knew it wasn't going to work because I'm oppressing them that it don't work. I am oppressing them that the money don't add up so that they feel like they need more. I'm keeping them out of the house of God. I'm keeping them from praying. I'm keeping them from trusting God. I'm keeping them from having faith in God. And as long as our oppressor does that to us, we are not going to arrive in the kingdom the way that we are supposed to. Because we're too busy with our mind being occupied with what we don't have, how we don't have it, how to get it, where to get it, when will it come. And we have to stop, take a deep breath, lay on the altar that you have built for Christ. And that altar is wherever you want it to be in your house. And lay there and say, God, I give it all to you everything here's the eviction notice I lay it before you here's the repossession notice I lay it before you here's the negative bank account I lay it on the altar oh God I'm done do what you want to do I'm done I'm tired of crying. I'm tired of screaming. I'm tired of trying to figure it out. I'm tired of not having, being put to shame. Never. I'm done. Give me instructions, oh God, on what I need to do at this point. Because I'm done. I got no more ideas. I have no more suggestions. I have no more people to reach out to. What am I going to do? And that's when God steps in. 
that's when he can step in. Because he works with a broken heart. He works with us who don't want to do the work. We want him to do it. That's when now the oppressor has to go. That's now when the oppression has to go. That's when God reveals where you have been oppressed. And he'll show you, okay, this came from your ancestors. This one you spoke. This one you did yesterday. We got to deal with all this oppression that is in you. And Israel had to go and worship God. That was the whole goal of them coming out of oppression. Because now I can go and worship my God. And once we come out of oppression, we now worship our God. We now have time for him that we thought would never come. And we're going into a new year. And if we're saying to ourselves, I got to keep these two jobs in order to make it oppression. I got to do this in order to get that done. Oppression. Because everything is I. And you've laid nothing down at the altar at God's feet and said, hey, next year, I don't want to be working two jobs. I'm not going to do it. So show me how you are going to do it. I lay it all down. I lay it down. No more I. But now, oh God, it's only you. I will I will look at and I will speak of. We have to get back in union with Christ. We have to align not only with the covenant, but with the lifestyle, with the words, with the studying, with the praying. Your altar is your most important thing in your life. If you don't have time to pray, you are not going to be free from oppression. How do you get free and you don't talk to him? How do you get free and come out of it if you don't know him? You have to rebuild your altar in order to become aligned with him and the work that he has for you. When we begin to cry out to God, even if you're not vocally doing it, but you're doing it in your heart, even if you're just tears, you're riding down the road and tears just begin to roll down your face. And you don't even know where they came from because you were listening to a positive song. You were listening to something encouraging, but the tears just begin to roll. That's your spirit, man, crying out. Not only about your oppression, but because you haven't talked to him. You haven't even said hallelujah, good morning. So the tears begin to roll because it's coming from your spirit, man. Because God said, I've seen the oppression of my people. I've looked down and I've seen it. And it's breaking his heart that we're living in oppression and there's a promise upon our lives. We are living in oppression because we don't want to fight for what is ours. If you were in serious bondage and slavery, you fought for your freedom because you knew something wasn't right about this bondage. The same thing with God. You know something is not right, but you're not trying to figure out either. So how do you become free if you're not searching for the truth? How do you become free if you're not crying out to him? Not just with tears. But we talk to him and we tell him, God, I don't know what else to do. I need direction. And we lay on our altar and we cry. First, just get 
all the emotions out and just cry because you can't hear being emotionally oppressed. And you let those tears flow. And while they're flowing, you're thinking about everything negative. Nothing positive is coming out of this in the beginning. The whys, everything is about why. And after you've exhausted the tears, you've exhausted the whys. Now, he can speak as Job. Job exhausted all his thoughts, everything, even the words from his friends. It was all exhausted to the point where he just got quiet and said, I just need to talk to God. I just need heaven to open up for me. God doesn't want us poor and in poverty. He doesn't want us in lack and shame. But it's a battle. Principalities. It's a battle that you can't fight. It's an oppression you don't have the power to get off of you. Only God can take it off of you. And if we don't spend that time with him, we got another battle that we're dealing with, which is the fact that it's going to be there. And we don't want that. We want our freedom. God has given us keys. Now you can use your keys or you don't have to use them. But once you begin to use your keys, whatever you bind on earth, where is it? It's going to be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, it's going to be loosed in heaven. So when you begin to go in your prayer on your altar and you say, God, I bind poverty in the name of Jesus on this earth. You said, if I bind it, you will bind it. So God, today I bind poverty from my life in Jesus name. And then heaven looks, you look up to heaven and you say, boom, is locked. Poverty is now bound. Then you go and you say, God, in heaven, I lose the covenant and the promises over my life now in Jesus name. And heaven says, okay, it's loosed. Boom. Now you go back to your altar because now you're in covenant with the word of God. You go back to your altar and you pray until it comes from heaven. You don't just sit there and wait. You don't say, oh, well, I bound and I loose. It's coming. No, no. Now you fighting principalities. Now you're fighting wickedness in high places because they do not want that to come from heaven. Because that makes you free. That makes you in covenant and in alignment with God. And they don't want that. Because when God looses it from heaven, as your words have spoken, as you agree with God, they're not going to let that happen. Because you were in alignment with them. You had a covenant with them. The negativity, the accepting poverty, the lifestyle that you had, the oppression that you had. Now you're trying to break that covenant and get your blessings and you think it's going to be easy. You have to bring that thing down from heaven now after you loose, bind and loose through on the altar, through studying the word of God. Every time the devil tells you, nope, I'm not letting it down. I'm going to fight it. You can say to the devil, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
it is loosed from heaven and bound on earth. And you stand and you fight every day. When he says, nope, you're not getting it, you say, God has already released it. And you begin to fight for what is already yours. And you will begin to see your deliverance coming. Thessalonians 2, chapter 3. And pray that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil people. For not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful. And he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. So he's guaranteeing us that even though you're waiting and you're praying and you're fasting for it to come down from heaven, the enemy will use his other people that are bidding with him to use them against you now. And you're crying because you're like, God, I'm praying, I'm waiting, I'm I'm steadfast. And God is saying, keep going, keep going, keep going. It's almost down, it's almost down. But that energy, that negative energy coming at you is a lot stronger, feel like. Why? Because it's flesh upon flesh. Because if you actually allow spiritual upon spiritual, then you realize you don't have to worry about anything. You can walk away from fights of flesh upon flesh because we don't walk. We don't do that. We take everything to God in prayer and he begins to deal with the principalities and the wickedness in high places. And he snatches them away from us and we can continue to walk and to pray and become free from our oppressor. The Red Sea cannot stop you as long as you're in alignment. Nothing can stop you. And when you know it's time for the eviction, go to God. Lay on your altar. Put the letter there in front of him. And ask him, what is he going to do? I'm trusting you. I have faith in you. I fasted. I prayed. And I've quoted your word. And I believe by faith that he who has promised will perform. That I know that what I don't see in the physical is in the spiritual. And I need it to come down because I got a couple of days for this to be taken care of. We believe in the unseen. We believe in the unfelt, the unrecognized. We believe in things in heaven that we have not seen yet. But yet we know that when we get to the altar... It's going to manifest. We don't have to battle with ourselves about whether or not it's going to happen. As Job did, not one time did he waver because he knew the God that he served and he knew that his Redeemer lived. We have to stand in this battle for our freedom, for our rights, for our covenant. We have to stand. And not allow the enemy to tell us that the unseen is unseen. And that God will not give it. And you have to let him know. For my freedom. I'm going to wrestle. In my prayers with this. Until the change come. Even when I'm praying and negativity come. I'm still going to hold on. I'm wrestling with myself. Because I've been oppressed so long. Because even Israel wanted to go back. And said weren't we better off there? Because that comfort zone. That they had. Because now. To get your freedom. It's a battle. Against those principalities of that oppressor. 
So you have to wrestle every day with your own mind thinking. You have to ask God to heal your mind. Heal those thoughts. Cast them out. Bind and loose them. In the name of Jesus. And God will perform. Because you're praying and you're in alignment with his promise for your life. Amen. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit has to be there. See, all of these things is making you in alignment with God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have to realize that. So when we're praying and we see large and big demonic forces coming, we have to picture of them. We have to say, "Uh -uh. uh-uh. God is bigger. You big, but God is bigger. So I'm going to stay on God's side to get rid of you. I'm not going to try to do it within myself because when I do it myself, I fail because I don't know the principalities. I don't know the powers of darkness, but God does. And the wickedness in high places, but God knows. So this is how we bring it down from heaven. We go to our altar that we have rebuilt because we've been so busy, so distracted, so negative in our life that we don't have an altar anymore. Because if we had an altar, we would understand where this battle was coming from. We would already be in alignment. But we rebuild the altar wherever you want it to be in your house. And that's a designated spot for God. If it's a corner in your bedroom, if it's the middle of the floor in your bedroom, if it's your closet, that's your altar that you always go to when you need to pray. You always go to that spot every day, every hour, whatever you have available. I don't care if it's 10 minutes, get to your altar and allow God to minister to you. So we look at this verse in Psalms 51. After you rebuilt your altar, this is what you want to say to God every day. And then when your release comes in whatever area of your life, continue to lay on that altar, kneel on that altar, and keep these things in mind. 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. And then you stop. This is not a story. This is not fantasy. This is not rushed. This is what you do. Step by step by step. Because right now. You're oppressed. And you need your freedom. So you don't move and read this like you in a rush to get through it. You read this step by step. And you begin to allow God. To minister to your spirit man. Step by step. Because you want to complete the process. You don't want to just shake this and say, oh, okay, I'm good. No, you're not good. Because this is generational. This is self-imposed. And then this is the world influence that you have oppressing you. Number two, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You're taking ownership at this point. You stop. And you think about every sin you've committed from the time you started to the time right now. And you call them out. All of your sexual partners, you call them out and say, cleanse me from these covenants. 
every time you've done something that was not according to the will of God, remember it, bring it back up and say, cleanse me from it. That's what the devil don't want you to do is acknowledge that you have sinned. Don't do a general group knowledge of sin, acknowledgement of sin. Slow down. We going to clean up. We going to clean. God going to clean all this up. And you say, and cleanse me from my, that means I'm taking ownership of it. My sin. Then number three, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. So every time I want to do good, guess who's right there? My sins telling me, uh, uh-uh, uh, you know, you just, what you just did last night or last year, always before me, the accuser of the brethren for against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest and you stop. Five, behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me and you stop. And you continue on through this. Like in 10, it says, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. 11, I mean 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That means, God, I need a reset. I need a restart. I need to do this all over again because I did it wrong the first time. None of this was about you. It was all about me. None of this was about glory, praise, and worship, and love, and honor, and covenants. None of this. It was about me. I allowed me to be oppressed. So, and in finishing with the repentance, now you go into recovery with God. Everything comes from God in your renewal, in your dedication to him. In allowing yourself to be set free from oppression. So I thank you guys right now. That we are going to practice it this week. Bit by bit. Process by process. Nothing rushed. And God will answer you. If the rent is the priority. Then let that be this week. And you do those things before God. God I spent the money. God I had another bill that I had to pay. Whatever it is. Put it on the altar with repentance, with acknowledgement, and allow him. Bind and loose, as the Bible says. Father, we thank you right now. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor. This week, God, we're cleansing. This week, God, we are renewing, restoring, renouncing, breaking covenants, agreements, alignment with the demonic forces. This week, God. We're going to trust you. And we understand, God, that there's a process to this because we've had it so long in our bodies, in our spiritual bodies, that we know the detachment is is going to take a minute. We know the detachment may be painful, may be distracting, but God, we're going to trust you no matter what. We get, we're going to do this with you. We commit, we align ourselves to the word, to the knowledge, to the Holy Spirit the blood of Jesus upon our lives right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you. This week we have victory over it. This week, God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining and listening. All of the dedicated ones here and the new ones, we thank God for you. And we'll see you again or talk with you again very soon. Goodbye.
92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Eh, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically, so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.